from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast anti-discrimination law passed by a city council in the United States is generating a lot of controversy. Now that it's approved, Seattle has become the first city in the United States to specifically outlaw outlaw caste discrimination. In India, the caste system originated 3000 years ago as a social hierarchy based on one's birth. Seattle recently became the first city in the United States to pass an ordinance against caste discrimination. There have been multiple complaints of caste-based discrimination against the Indian and South Asian community in countries like the US and UK. But this might be the first time a specific law has been passed against caste discrimination outside India. It's never been easy for the Indian community abroad, which has been targeted over race and religion for decades. How Indian culture has been viewed abroad and how Indians abroad interact with Indian culture has also been changing over the decades. In today's episode, Devdutt Patnaik is talking with us about how Indians abroad have interacted with Indian culture over the decades and how that's influenced how Indian culture has been viewed abroad. He also points to the potential impact of this Seattle legislation on that. Devdutt, what do you think is like the fundamental difference between how non-resident Indians tend to view Indians India's culture versus how we are sitting inside view it? So when you are living in India you don't think about Indian culture you're living in it right it's part of your being it's there everywhere it's not a conscious thought in your head it's just around you until politicians make it a very conscious thing other than politicians nobody makes it a conscious thing it's just part of your life it's just there around you um you know you're traveling on the road you see a temple on the road side you'll see shrines you will see a mosque somewhere you will hear azans you will Uh, you know have festivals weddings uh, rituals this is just happening it was a blind spot as long as you were in india and then one day you get your visa you go abroad and suddenly you come to another land where none of these are there you don't see the temples maybe a church here and there maybe if you're in uh, you know saudi arabia or middle east you see mosques but really you don't see the temple you don't see god images anywhere you it's just not as visible as it is you go to office work environment there's no religious iconography like in india if i go to a um, religious establishment not religious sorry i go to a bank or if i go to a restaurant i will see a little lakshmi statue over there i'm used to seeing iconography you will not see that in any of these multinational companies it's considered improper so you don't see any of it and suddenly uh, india becomes a very important presence in its absence you were looking your longing your homesickness is coming up you're looking for the food and flavors and smells and all that kind of things suddenly you become aware very acutely of religion and you start actively seeking religion and then who do you go to where do you go to and you know so their world view of religion if you're talking to a non-resident indian a person of indian origin is very 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 different from what you and i experience or take for granted we're talking now soon after seattle passed this ordinance to target caste based discrimination which has been strongly opposed by hindu groups in the us who said it will result in the targeting of hindus altogether um, we do have evidence that caste does travel and there is some irony in that because we used to earlier believe that you became casteless the moment you traveled beyond india 
where did that belief even come from that you lost your caste when you traveled so this was an old uh, you know between 1000 ad and up to the 19th century traveling abroad was a major thing it's one of those unique things about indian culture is that you know i always tell people we have travel records of chinese coming to india arabs coming to india europeans coming to india i have never read an indian account of someone who's traveled to arab countries or chinese countries and come back and written a sanskrit epic saying that oh, this is what china happens in china this is what happened we were very we are very inward looking people we have had mercantile ties with southeast asia and all that but they were done by preliterate people they were not written by people who so they don't have any records of this this is vague suvarna bhumi and a vague idea of some other shweta shweta desha very vague it's not a big deal and then one day it stops say 1000 years ago sort of this travel stops because you lose caste this stops only when the british come so when only when the british come that you start traveling abroad fun for education i think when uh, swami viveka was going abroad and you know that time there was a lot of when raja rammohan rao was going abroad he was told that you will lose your caste and he was taking a huge risk leaving that is early part of the 19th century by the time vivekanand is going later part of the 19th century it sort of opened up but he was traveling with virichand gandhi who was a jain and the invitation was given to a jain monk who refused to travel even today the temple priests in many of the big temples do not travel they let their junior priests do go and travel but the senior ones who actually perform the ceremonies will not travel so there is this kind of an orthodoxy about traveling but now what has happened is who traveled abroad it's always the educated people in india educated is upper class and upper caste it has always been that the lower caste have been left behind and the upper caste is the privilege of saying there is no caste you know because you don't it doesn't affect you it doesn't affect you i mean uh, the only reason i was aware of caste is when i noticed my mother used different utensils for staff and you class because you know driver will not come and sit on your furniture so class is there that is there uh, um, but caste is something i didn't realize because it's really people don't realize it's related to touch it's related to marriage caste is very local you know people don't understand odia castes will not be understood in maharashtra maharashtrian caste will not be understood in tamil nadu another thing of caste which very few people understand it's not a pan indian as we imagine it to be now i can imagine these you know <laughs> american and <laughs> they are clueless about caste because most of them must have moved from upper caste families upper class families who have been completely living in a uh, you know uh, unaware that there is no the caste issue suddenly traveling abroad and saying that we, there is no caste in our and then suddenly the americans are coming and telling you and the, you know you anyway have an issue of your brown skin and you're facing discrimination because you are brown and you now had the chance to pounce on them saying that you know brown people are treated badly now the white people will come back and say but you know what in your world you are also discriminatory i think that is what is upsetting a lot of people the fact that they have to finally all your life you told your children about the great indian culture how india was this wonderful land where everything was wonderful 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 until the british came until nehru came what is the story they give to children for migrating out of america it's one will be you know nehru came and therefore reservations came and therefore we can't stay in india and therefore we came out we came as victims of reservation policy right so they have es- escaped india as victims of reservation policy and now they go there and suddenly now diversity inclusion conversations are happening and Yes, that story that you were the victim of the reservation policy is be going to be challenged in a big way. One thing about Indian religion abroad and Indian culture is also that you know, um, if you look back a few decades ago, um, 
it, it was very mystical. It, it it almost dealt with things that were supernatural in some ways. What explains that sort of success of Indian mystics in the West? That was the popular form of Indian culture abroad, right? Well, the most successful yoga book is the autobiography of a yogi. And Steve Jobs loved to read it. And Steve Jobs and come to India. They all come to India. They go to Rishikesh. They go to Haridwar. They go to Banaras. And you have to just travel to Banaras to realize that it can be as different from New York as you've ever seen or London. When you see the dead bodies burning, you know, beggars over here. And it just sort of, you know, from our own eyes, it looks so different. Imagine what it is from their eyes. So the world is very different. It is magical. You have all these people with colorful hair and all kinds of things. And no matter how much you sanitize it, now they're trying to sanitize everything and turn everything to these marble structures and these, you know, like Disney playgrounds. They're trying to make all the temples clean, lovely, um, you know, industrial temples, as I'm calling them. Industrial temples where everything is very well organized and everything is neat and clean. It's But it is takes away the spirit of India will be the, you know, the marigold flower rotting in the corner, the dead bodies being burned, the ashes, the kind of flowers we offer, the kind of prayers we do, the kind of festivals that we perform. The ritualism is always going to be different for the European, for the American, for the even the secular. Even when you go to a Gurdwara, it's fairly well organized, right? There is just that Granth Sahib in front. There is the singing happening in the corner. It's very, you know, very simple hall. It's very, you know, when you go to the mosque, it's similar. It's when you go to the church, it's similar. You go to the Gurdwara. But the temple as it is, although now the Swaminarayan temples also look like that. They're very clean and very organized and there's not much of flowers. The Jain temples look like that. And that's the model that is being popularized. If you see the Saudi Arabia temple, which is being built and all that. It's very marble, chandeliers. It's very different from, say, going to a Mahakal temple or if you go to a temple, they've tried to, Jagannath temple right now has been transformed into this industrial complex. Um, but the fact is the real rituals are, com- you know, you have pouring of water, there is the Abhishek rituals, there's Chandan, there is flowers, there's the whole energy of the deity, the Jagannath Ratha cannot be done like a Republic Day parade. So it looks strange, exotic for the Western eye. And this is something that we must remember, the difference between the thing. And um, what we did is these yogis abstracted. They took away the religious part. That has happened in the 19th century. They said, oh, Hinduism is actually about the mind and it's about these abstract notions of sharira and tantra and atma. They removed the rituals, the cows, the flowers, the sandal paste, the incense, the ash, All that was wiped out. The temples, the festivals, none of it was Hindu. Um, They took bits and pieces of it. So you have the autobiography of the yogi talking about this very mystical, intellectual world. Then you have Swami Vivekananda reconstructing Hinduism in a way that suited the world which he belonged to. A very Bhadralok, Bengali, English-educated, upper-class, upper-caste world. Completely devoid of feminine energy. Forget about the caste. There's no woman in those stories. They don't exist. Um, there is a celibate and magical. They are flying in the air. Siddha, all the Gurujis, even now, they you know they, they say that we have these magical powers. We talk about dimensions. That sells, right? That sells. Look at Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange sells. Dalai Lama can give the, all the lectures. At the end of the day, you want mandalas and you want to travel through universes. Because what people want is magic. And Steve Jobs was looking for magic. He was not looking for mysticism. He was looking, I want to try. He wanted to be Dr. Strange. We must accept that India 
is exciting as long as you talk about these exotic things. Um, and that's what we were selling, and that and that's the awkwardness with uh, which all the NRIs face because everybody's asking, "Oh, you have an elephant-headed god," and I'm like, "That's not the way you talk about Hinduism. This is a very strange language, you know." So it's this new vocabulary that is emerging, and now you're everybody's distributing the Gita, you know, they're distributing the Gita like the Gideon's Bible. And I'm like, uh, this is Gita for whom? Like, which community, which caste? These are the complexities that the NRI discovers when he starts reintroducing himself to India. That's why the Kailasa Parvat and whatever the United Nations of Kailasa and, you know, the costumes, look at the costumes they're wearing and the cosplaying that is happening. Uh, because clearly something is lost, right? I have to dress, I should look like a character from the film Bahubali. Or I should look like a character from that Ponin Selvin. You know, look at the way they dressed. They're dressed in these ancient medieval costumes. Uh, and saying that we are spiritual and we are magical and, you know, um, we are the gopikas of Krishna. You'll always see these women dancing and singing Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. You never see them in the cow shed cleaning the dung of the cow. They're only seen hugging the cow for Instagram. All these cosplaying Krishna Bhakts will only show milk and they will show Krishna and they will show the cows, hugging cows, but never cleaning the cow shed. Because that was done by the Dalit, no? That was done by the Dalit. You never saw these invisible forces. Like you said, you know, the Gita becoming a holy book. The uh, There was something I was reading which said that, you know, the, the NRI has sort of embraced the model of religion that others have and effectively made Hindu modeled on the lines of something like Islam, uh, Judaism or Christianity. And effectively that in turn is almost like a reverse effect which we are seeing in India as well, right? You see, um, think of an NRI parent telling children how wonderful India is, how beautiful India is, how lovely India is. So now there's a great story, right? So the child starts believing that. And say, oh, let's go back to India. And now you come to India and you see the gutter and you see the dirt and you see the chaos and the mess. And you're like, oh, this is not something that I like because that's not what Bollywood show films show you. DDLJ doesn't show you that. Suddenly these children come to India and they see the real India and they're like, oh, this is disgusting. So now you need a leader who will, this was the bad times. And now you need a leader who will change India and bring it to the standards that the NRI will appreciate. He wants the clean roads, the toilets. He, it's his vision that needs to be satisfied. And that's where the money is coming from. It's a very big source of income for political parties. They want India to become like Europe and exactly the imagination of Bollywood, you know, the uh, matching that. And that is a, uh, that's a shame attached to India. And now the new shame that they have to deal with caste. Our spiritual export has gone to something like self-help. Like you said, it's a more secular form of religion where, you know, the Indian faith is seen as this very... Yeah, yeah. I have these Gurujis with these, they, they'll wear these orange robes and they'll wear all these marks on their head to show that they're religious. So now that establishes them as an authority. So it's cosplaying. They're dressing in a particular way that you can't be challenged because now I'm a holy man. Uh, and then I'll tell you things like how to be motivated, how to work hard. It's exactly what Dale Carnegie would have done. <laughs> That's any, any self-help book. How to uh, win friends, how to, uh, uh, you know, work hard and be successful. They'll give you the same gyan and say, but Krishna said it. And they will say, Shiva said it. And Shiva teaches you how to handle problems. So at one level, you have this magical Hinduism of, you know, 
chakras and kundalini and tantra and on the other side you have got all these self help uh, gurujis and the number of them in the market is like quite shocking they're just challenging all these secular gurus all you have to do is you have to wear an orange robe you have to wear, put some funny marks on your head and you have to have long hair and it's usually men it's usually men i've not seen a you know female very rare uh, if it's a female then she'll call herself ma because that's the only way indian men can handle women is if she's a ma so she'll be a ma so and so that becomes the model you can't be a, just a normal person you have to be or you have to desex yourself you have to be this kind of a uh, white and completely stripped of your sexuality and then you are become like this holy person and uh, of course but then what we'll talk about is how to manage money how to manage your husband how to deal with jealousy anger you know all those soap opera problems how to solve it hinduism becomes that um so you find these different forms that are emerging in all religion this happens it's not something unique again i have to repeat that hinduism is complicated it's a construct it's trying to fit into a western style of thinking um you have to talk about many gods you have to talk about the mystical side of it you have the occult side of it the social side of it, the caste side of it the philosophical side of it the ritual side of it the diversity of it its transformation over time the vedic religion the um the image worship the idol worship the you know the 10 arms of durga how do you explain uh, a shivalinga and the worship of the shivling uh, which titillates many people and upsets many people um, and then you have the muscular arms and then you have the muscular krishnas there was an yoga narrative which did not talk about the gods then there was the iskon narrative that was only talking about krishna and positioning that then you have the ramakrishna narrative where kali suddenly appears but in a vegetarian form um you know you have chinmaya mission which is a very smarta south indian uh, energy that came in the shri vaishnavas talk a very different language chaitanya mahaprabhu talks a very bengali uh, language um so you have these different different things and now hindutvas come let's think we have the pan indian they want to construct a new hinduism good for them but the truth in all its dirty forms will come all of it is hinduism i mean karan johar's karwa chauth is hinduism but even the you know the dalit conversations that are being raised is also hinduism that is also part of india and we have to accept it you can't say i'll accept this part but not that part no masale mein sab kuch hota hai kadwa bhi hota hai today's episode was produced by jairaj singh sunai marathe and anuja singh For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at typodcast@timesinternet.in.